have a smile that's running for title from this book? That's the question. What's Brock going to do? He said, such a difficult. We've got to pray for him. I'm serious. Just for his protection, but for his vision. Because the first thing he does is he, he begins to comfort the neoliberal establishment by bringing in Clintonites. He said, get the economic team from These folk were part of the deregulating policies that got us into the mess we're in. Well, for those who really helped get us into the mess, maybe they are best equipped to help get us out. I don't follow the logic. I don't follow it. Wall Street Reserve. What's going on? Well, you got to be pragmatic. I understand. And I could be wrong. But I got my view. Put that lens at the cross. I don't know any of those folk being concerned about poor people. None of them. The economic team across the board. You mentioned their name in Latin America and they shake and shiver. You mean to tell me you still got new running things? Don't you realize the whole world economy is collapsing? They're the ones talked about free markets. They're the ones talked about unfettered markets. They're the ones talked about unregulated markets. They're the ones talked about never intervene with the state and public affairs in Africa. What are you doing? I didn't know what's going on. I just got down on my knees and prayed. I said, I pray for my dear brother Barack because I'm going to love that brother no matter what, but I'm also going to speak my mind. Next move. He had already campaigned in such a way that he had to neutralize white fears and anxieties as he capitalized on black support and solidarity so he couldn't get too close to black people because he had to speak to white moderates and white independents most black people understood that we said let's keep it on the down low okay we understand that you got to speak to hang down and on the vanilla side of town and he don't like me so okay we just waving at you brother Every person in every community in every corner of the globe. 
But then the next moment, you don't say a mumbling word about God's Not a mumbling word. 500 gone, not a word yet. Finally, some reference after 525 of them gone, 40% of them women and children. It's not anti-Semitic to love Palestinians. No. We ought to love our Jewish brothers and sisters. We ought to love our Palestinian brothers and sisters. We ought to love our Arab brothers and sisters. We ought to love our European brothers and sisters. And we ought to love ourselves as well. Tension at work here. How do we keep the cross in the mix? And the problem about trying to remain tied on the cross is it takes you outside of your comfort zone. If you're still functioning within your comfort zone, you got to get closer to the cross. Because the cross is going to force you to call yourself into question and examine yourself in ways that you are not used to. And same is true with Jesus. Don't tell me how wonderful your relationship with Jesus is, and yet you haven't thought about the prison industrial complex in the last 15 years. You haven't thought about the poor children in the last 10 years. Thank God Mary Wright Elman's on her way to Howard again. She's one of the great prophetic voices. Keeps the focus on poor and poor children. And we won't even get into the story of our churches. My God, my God, this chamber of commerce, religion, and market spirituality, and prosperity gospel, and all of it well-adjusted to injustice. Concerned about how many in the church rather than the quality of the souls in the church. How big is the church? How expensive is the building fund? It's nice to have a huge house. How much fire do you have inside? Uh, how much love do you have? You can't have a mega church without mega love, huh? You can't have mega church without mega courage, without mega vision. That's the challenge. Preach. And my God, my God, we are in the mix at the moment. Let's talk about, well, we're going to act like we're Abraham Lincoln. I said, which Lincoln are you talking about? Are you talking about the Lincoln who voted to retain the slave trade in 1848 when he was in Congress? Led Wendell Phillips to call him the slave hound from Illinois? Are you talking about the Lincoln who defended the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850? Unequivocally, hunting down Negroes like with dogs? Come on. Are you talking about the Lincoln in his first inaugural address that supported the first 13th Amendment, not the second one that abolished slavery, the first 13th Amendment was passed by Congress right before Lincoln gave his inaugural lecture that called for the perpetuity of slavery. Slavery would become permanent in America and Lincoln supported that in his inaugural address. That's the reason why Frederick Douglass heard the address and said, I'm going to Haiti. I'm leaving America. I've abandoned my faith in the capacity of America to treat black slaves with decency. The greatness of Abraham Lincoln was that he was willing to grow. He was willing to mature. 1862, he brings in black leaders and says, I have a plan for y'all. Here's $800,000. I want you to go to the Republic of Columbia, which was then, which is now Panama. I want you to go there. 
I got I, I want others to go to Cow Island off Haiti because Lincoln believed in the colonization of black folk, all black folk leaving the country up until 1864. So when you try to Abe Lincoln out, let's get the story right. Is he a great man? Yes. Is he a child of his age? Yes. Will he shape my white supremacy? What do you think? But he was willing to grow and mature in such a way that by the second time he met Frederick Douglass, he said, I need your help. Yeah. And the third time he met him, he said, I call for your advice. That's a wonderful thing. Yeah. White brothers and sisters overcome the arrogance and condescension and actually treat black folk as if we had something to say. Oh, that's a breakthrough. It's a grand breakthrough. And by the time Lincoln came up to support a slice of black people voting in New Orleans, a white supremacist named John Wilkes Booth said, I'm going to put him away. And he did a few days later. He did a few days later. This team of rivals talk about Lincoln that you hear and here in Washington, D.C. is too narrow. It's as if the only rivals you have are to your right. Bring in some Republicans. Lincoln was a great president because he was pushed by the social movement called the abolitionists. There is no great Lincoln without Frederick Douglass. There is no great Lincoln without Wendell Phillips, Charles Sumner, William Lloyd Garrison, Harriet Beecher Snow. They're the ones that put pressure on Lincoln. He didn't even want the black folk to serve in the army of soldiers, just as laborers. But when they became soldiers, they started winning. They said, bring more Negroes, bring more Negroes. And by the time the war was over, 180,000 black men had fought in the army to break the back of white supremacist slavery in the South. They had no choice but to include significant numbers of black people in the building of the democracy because our contribution had become so indispensable. Don't talk about Lincoln without I'm talking about social movements, I say to my dear brother Barack Obama, when you look at Lincoln, keep your eye on Douglas. When you look at Lincoln, keep your eye on Harry Beecher Snow. You don't need to keep your eye on Rush Limbaugh. We know what brother Rush gonna do and say. He's been consistent for 35 years. Of course you want to treat Republicans with humanity. Of course you want to treat conservatives with humanity, especially Christians. We have to if we're going to be true to the cross. But we also tell the truth about our conservative brothers and sisters. And we tell the truth about our Republican brothers and sisters. And we're going to have to tell the truth about the impact of the emerging social movements, not just in this country, but around the world. The impact of the world economy now in Greece, we've already had waves of social activism. The impact in France, the impact in Latin America is all where they've been at work for the last 10 years. That's why you have what's going on in Venezuela and Brazil and Europe, Ecuador and other places. They've responded to the neoliberal preoccupation with free markets with greed at the top, indifference to the poor, and a strategy that trivializes the suffering of those who are trying to call into question the status quo. The 
verdict is still out. Will the age of Obama be an age in which the cross is in the mix so that unarmed truth and unconditional love focus on poor people creates fundamental changes? Or will the age of Obama be a moment of high expectation, but the inability of those of us who are courageous, sacrificial to change is not just about Brother Barack. He can't do it by himself. He must be pushed, lovingly helped. And events will play a fundamental role too, because in the end, as the Reaganites discovered when they were riding so high, we are so mighty. No, God is almighty. And no matter what saddle we ride, we think we're mighty. No, God is almighty. Events that are unpredictable and inscrutable will come along to call us in the question. And the, and the fundamental challenge will be, are we ready? Are we ready? That's the question. Because it could be that the Americans have been so saturated with greed, indifference, and fear that we don't have what it takes. Nope. It's just fat. Soft. Yep. Spoiled. Yep. Like too many of our young people sometimes. Yep. Too obese. Yep. Too soft. Lazy. Too spoiled. I'm not talking about students at Howard, but I'm talking about some young folks somewhere else. Yep. And by fat, I'm not talking about body. I'm not talking about body. I'm, I'm talking about the fatness around your soul. Yep. It doesn't allow you to feel other people's suffering. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. You see? We just don't know. All I can say is for those of us who decided to follow Jesus, that we're prisoners of hope, we have no choice. That we are going down swinging because the blood that washed us allowed us to emerge as new beings such that our quest for truth and love will be such that we will go down swinging. Because as the O'Neill twins from St. Louis used to sing, I don't know about you, but Jesus dropped the charges for me. Oh, yes. I came before the cross and he said, Brother West, case dismissed. And case dismissed means what? It means you're free. When you're free, human being, a free black man, to say what's on your heart, mind, and soul, to love folk across the grain, don't have to worry about popularity contests and don't have to worry about being misunderstood and misconstrued. Just Keep loving folk and telling the truth because Jesus dropped the charges. That's what that cross is about. That's what keeping Jesus in the remix is about. And that's what I hope we will be about in this new age of Obama as we help him engage in the kind of change so that poor people are no longer on the margins and working people are no longer an afterthought. Thank you all so very much for being so patient. God bless Howard University. You've been listening to a broadcast of the Sunday morning worship service at Andrew Rankin Memorial Chapel on the campus of Howard University. To purchase a copy of today's speaker, call 202-806-7911. 202-806-7911.